people deem not possible. And that is where our brand, our company, Toss and Spin is going. We want to continue to create newness. For me, it's about taking it, you know, one step up and really figuring out how far we can push it. Last year, Gatorade came to us and they wanted to have a rooftop pickleball party on the top of the largest rooftop in North America. I think they're breaking the mold on how companies can go after and do things in pickleball. Uh, go in the dark pickleball, go in the dark tennis. It's a product we're offering. When it's all said and done, we want to be the most fun entry point to racket sports worldwide. How many black founders do you know? According to a study conducted by Diversity VC and Rate My Investor, only 1% of venture-backed startup founders are black. Now, take a moment to think about how many black founders do you know in the pickleball space? 2020 was a tough year for a lot of people for a variety of different reasons, one of which was the amount of people that were laid off and furloughed. This turned out to be a really big moment for a lot of people defined by what they chose to do next. After being furloughed in 2020, Chris Clark, the founder of Toss and Spin, decided that he was gonna leverage his background at Pepsi, Gatorade, and Wilson to create a business that solved a problem for racket and paddle sports, growth, with the goal of getting a paddle in as many hands as possible. And that's not just at your local park either, it's at businesses, gym and fitness classes, and underserved communities. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Building Pickleball, where I'm just sharing different stories within the space. Uh, they could range from founders to players to people working behind the scenes. But today, my guest is Chris Clark. He is the founder and CEO of Toss and Spin, a premier racket and sports provider based out of Chicago. He spent four years at Pepsi, some of which was with Gatorade. He then spent three years at Wilson Sporting Goods and seven months at Kraft Heinz. He holds an MBA in marketing from the University of Toledo. Thanks for joining me today, Chris. Thanks. That's an impressive uh, introduction as well. But uh, <laughs> definitely excited to be on uh, be on the pod and excited to chat with you today. Yeah, definitely, man. I gotta I gotta do my make sure I do my homework. <laughs> yeah, can you just kind of take me back through? Uh, kind of like your journey before toss and spin. Yeah, yeah. So as you mentioned, I am a well, I'm a former college tennis player. I played at the University of Toledo. Uh, was a grad assistant while doing my MBA at Toledo, and then spent nine years in corporate. I worked for Gatorade um, for four years, really dealing with um, ideation, commercialization, and marketing of new products. And then went to Wilson, where I did product marketing ideation to commercialization, managing rackets coming to the marketplace globally. was at Kraft Heinz for seven months where I realized that I needed to be in sports, but was managing the $2 billion cheese business, uh, which was interesting as well. And then uh, working for a startup based in the Bay, I was furloughed during the pandemic and kind of found myself like sitting on the side of a tennis court, like, what are we going to do next? And at that moment, I kind of vowed never to go back to corporate and figure out how I was going to create my own path. So ideating on it, uh, born out of it, I should say, was toss and spin. That's awesome, man. I just uploaded an episode with Carl Schmitz, and I've had a couple other guests on. Carl Schmitz is the managing director of like equipment standards and facilities at uh, USA Pickleball, but he has also like a product background. When you were talking, you kept using the word ideating. I come from a UX design background. That's a very common term. 
I don't know if a lot of people like right now have heard of that. Like, where did that come from? Was that from your kind of working in that product development space? It definitely, it comes from the product development space. But I think the unique thing about Toss and Spin is our ability to ideate and take that process into racket sports. I mean, if you look at what has happened in the industry, you know, it's pretty much the same as you go to different places. Like you can find a beginner class, you can find an open play. You know what I mean? You can you can find tennis, whatever it is, you can find it. But who is truly ideating to create experiences that people deem not possible? And that is where our brand, our company, Toss and Spin is going. We want to we want to continue to create newness. That's what I call it. We don't want to do the same thing we did last year. Like that was cool when we did it. But for me, it's about taking it, you know, one step up and really figuring out how far we can push it. And I kind of know where we're going and I know our end goal. And because of that, it's allowing me to to really just keep working at that every day. Yeah, dude, that's an awesome outlook. Changing your business and strategy and planning and just like your outlook is definitely not easy. It requires very flexible like team members. It requires a lot of work from you. I mean, you're not only the founder, but you're also the CEO. Is there like a process that you're using that you're willing to share? Uh, maybe not, but like as far as ideating, I know like from coming from product development, you know, like iteration is of course like really big, mm. but also just having different like stages, right? Like yeah. you have your research and then you have like kind of like your discovery stage. And it's always like this idea of like failing fast, right? Like always trying new ideas. Like, yeah, can you go into that a little more? You're, you're speaking my language, man. Like <laughs> I, I want to find you a place on the team um, because no, that's what we do. I mean, I believe in whiteboard spaces and figuring out what we can do. The fun thing about what we do is a lot of things we have not done before, but we are very confident that we have the blueprint. And I talk a lot about we have the blueprint, we can figure it out. And a couple of examples I have of that was last year, Gatorade came to us and they wanted to have a rooftop pickleball party, right? On the top of the largest rooftop in North America right? Private rooftop. So there's two courts up there, but obviously we needed like eight courts. So we had to create courts. Had we had done that on the top of the rooftop before? No. But did we know we could execute? Yes. Um, Another fundraiser came to us uh, in February and basically they wanted to convert the 17th floor of a building, which is normally a basketball court overlooking Chicago, it's a really wild space and they wanted to do a pickleball outing. We did it. So I'm really big on like looking at spaces, ideating on that space and figuring out how do we execute within that space. But more importantly, making sure that we're not over promising and under delivering. I'm very, I'm very sure and I know what we're good at. And for me, that's the most important thing because we will not try things where I'm like, no, this just doesn't make sense, right? Like everything we do has to make sense. How did you kind of like come across being comfortable with the risk taking like and understanding like how to take calculated risks? Tawson's been started as just this lessons business, right? So we started in August of 2020. Um, we were just doing lessons. It was primarily just myself. And then from there, um, 
we expanded into classes in 2021. So by the time we started taking what I call large risk, we already had a solid lessons and classes business operating in Chicago. What that allowed us to do was take more calculated risk. I think your spot about failing fast is spot on because anything I do, we're going to do it fast and we're going to figure out if it works. And if it does, great. We're going to build a strategy around it. If it doesn't work, then we're going to take a step back and say, you know what? Like we need to go a different direction, but I'm okay to fail because I know we still have a solid um, classes business. But as we scale, as we grow, like we we just have to be mindful of the risk that we're, we're taking on, because obviously if you take on too much risk too fast, you can implode your business. Right. So it's still about being smart. Um, from that perspective. Man, I've talked with some founders who've just talked about how a lot of things are being repeated. So it is refreshing to hear that you're taking like a different angle and you're not afraid to try and do different things. I honestly don't even know. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe it's because I don't keep my ear to the ground on this part of the sport, but I don't know anyone who's doing events like you guys who started off as, you know, like doing classes and now you're doing events and you have partnerships with like Shake Shack and you just did a teaching session with anchors on like NBC Chicago. I have a lot of questions there, but like one question that comes to mind is the success of any business really comes down to the team. Have you selected your team? What kind of goes into developing your team? Like, what do you want people to, when you bring them on, what do you want them to know about the culture and what, you know, Toss and Spin is about? That's a really good question. And I, I always say that um, people always come to me like, hey, I want to work for you. And, and no one works for me. They work with me because I don't like this like hierarchy of like, I'm the founder. This people are below me. This is my team. No, it's not. I work for them. Without them, Toss and Spin can't run. And that's the reality. Without amazing pros, we don't have classes. Without amazing people who know how to run our events, we don't have that because there was a time where me was kind of doing everything on and off the court. That's not where we're at now. So it's very important that we have systems in place that allow us to continue to run. Um, but my team, the team, not my team, the team is the most important thing by far. I actually put everyone on the team just about through a disc assessment. And this is whether you're pros, you know, consultants, brand marketing, accountants, legal. And I did this because I wanted to build a team of people that I wanted to work with. So by me doing a disc assessment, it basically tells me what type of person they are, how to best work with them, and then how to put them in a situation that will allow them to succeed. And based on that has allowed me to build the right team. Um, and we're still building. But again, I'm very sensitive to who I hire and who I work with and what capacity, because, again, if I work with you and you don't pan out, that's more time it takes away from me doing something. So the biggest thing for me was to understand how do we perfect things and then pass them off teach other people to do them the way I believe they should be done and then free up my time so I can focus on large scale opportunities for the business that will quote unquote, what I call keep the lights on. What's disc assessment? Yeah. So part of, I'll take you back through this. When I got furloughed, I started working with um, like a mentor, a doctor to really figure out like 
where my place is in this world. The funny thing I'll say about that is we all know what we're good at, right? You know what you're good at deep down. I always knew I was good in racket sports, like hands down. Um, but I wanted to chase like the CMO type of, of role because I thought it was cool and I thought that's where I would fit. But ultimately, it definitely wasn't where I fit. So we we went through this assessment to really just point out what is my gift and superpower? And then once I figured that out, through the DISC assessment, I basically was able to bridge my corporate experience with my superpower racket sports together to create toss and spin. And that's all I'm doing. Um, but the DISC assessment basically identifies if you are like a what type of personality, like a flight attendant, um, a pilot, an air traffic controller, grounds crew. And then it allows me to put people into right places like for example i wouldn't want an air traffic controller as my lead salesperson right i probably want a flight attendant right someone who's more outgoing who can sell it who someone you want to work with right so it's about understanding that and putting people in the right situation now i'll also say this the business like everything is my fault and i truly believe that so if you don't show up for a class if operations doesn't do something right if an event falls through like i used to get mad with people who did it but it's all my fault i put them in that situation so what can i do better as a founder to make sure that we succeed that's all it is and then once i took that approach i don't get mad hardly ever when it comes to the business yeah i'll get frustrated but i don't get mad because i'm just like what did, what didn't i do that didn't allow us to be successful in that moment. Yeah, man, that's also like a refreshing to hear is just this idea of like ownership and this idea of that a business is not just you. It's it's not I, it's we. And just being very like selective about who you're trying to bring onto the team because you are trying to make it like a cohesive experience and you do understand like everyone who's a founder definitely knows like time is a very valuable asset and having to rehire someone is definitely not like ideal but you know, we live in like a crazy time right now where this is just not the case you have people that want to run everything from a top-down manner who do get very mad at other people and you're just like look if you brought me on there's this isn't just like my doing this comes from this is like a shared ownership of what went wrong and it's like it's it is great to hear that you have that perspective and that definitely shows in the success that you've had uh, and with I'll just, Toss and Spin. And I'll say one thing too, like I don't expect anybody to care on the level that I care, right? Like my being a founder, I know it's kind of like the cool thing to say you are, but it is tough. It's really, really tough. Um, there are some really tough days. There are some tough times. Um, I don't think it's as glamorous as everybody's Instagram makes it seem like that's the reality right now. While I don't expect people to care like I care, I do expect them to have a level of care about the business and everybody who works in the business. I do everything in my power to make them feel special and to let them know I care because the minute they think I don't care about something is the minute it kind of falls through the cracks. So I've literally worked every piece of our business from teaching to squeegeeing courts to hanging signs like super scrappy right but i think that scrappy nature has not only helped toss and spin scale but also shows them i care and if you treat people the way they want to be treated most times they will reciprocate that 
and they'll give the best they got. And that's all I ask from everybody. Like, just give me the best you have and we'll go from there. That does speak volumes to be able to say that you're doing everything that, that you're essentially just not too good for any role at the, at the company or the brand. Like, right. Like nobody bleeds for the prince in the palace. Everyone likes to see that uh, owner who's just not too good to do anything and can take on any responsibility. If you see them doing it, you're like, Oh sweet. Like I know that they feel the same way I do. It gives you a perspective. That's why like Bezos was credited with taking one customer service like call or like making a day out of taking customer service calls. It's like not just empathy, but then you get to see what it's like, like on that, on the ground level perspective. Something I mentioned before was some of these like partnerships that you're doing right now, like the partnership with Shake Shack, that's a household name, right? Like you helped from what I understand, you helped form the Shake Shack Pickleball Club, Shake Shack Pickleball Club, and they're doing like a 10 city tour, you know, like, what does this mean? How did you create that partnership? Fun, funny story. I mean, I think this was, there were like, you know, in, in business, you always have a few breakthrough moments where you're like, I got it. Right. And I think when we did, um, Gatorade on the rooftop last year, that was kind of like an aha moment because that was where we tested a new model and what I call one to many. So the one to many strategy is basically getting a lot of people on a court and allowing them all to have fun at the same time. So I go against the grain with, hey, let's just put four people on the court and play. No, we're going to put 15 people on a court and they're all going to be doing something. They're all going to have fun at the same time. And that is our model. It works well because the number one things, you know, companies want to do, they want to reach as many consumers as possible. Reason many of them have stayed away from racket sports is because their perception is they can only have four to the court. Well, if we show them a model where they can have many more, we become a bigger asset. So with that being said, um, long story short, someone from Shake Shack um, was playing in our programming and they had this idea of doing something in pickleball, right? So we said, you know, why don't we have this like five hour event um, that is for beginners, inclusive for people to get in? You know, if you just started and you know how to play a fun tournament, that's not too serious, but more importantly, highlighting your brand from an experiential marketing perspective, as well as like a grassroots marketing perspective. Um, and they're like, this is a great idea. So we did some proof of concepts in Chicago. The event sold out last year. We did it in L.A. or I should say Long Beach. Long Beach is L.A. to me. But if you say that in L.A., they'll look at you like, hey, listen, that's not that's not L.A., man. But anyway, we did it there. It sold out. Feedback was tremendous. And then, you know, over the course of the, um, of a couple months, we were able to to solidify like a 10 city tour for it. But I'm like, I'm really it's a really cool thing because I think they're breaking the mold on how companies can go after and do things in pickleball right? Like most companies are investing top down, they're investing grassroots up. And not only are they investing grassroots up, they control what happens at these events. They own the event. So if I'm sponsoring an event, you're kind of put into a bucket. Here's your logo. It goes there. You know, you get a little airtime. Great. But they actually can get out and engage with their consumers. Their field team, their regional VPs can also get out and understand 
hey, what's going on with our products? What would you like to see from Shake Shack? So it creates this inclusive environment for them to do insights, for them to do experiential, for people to have a good time. More importantly, pickleball is great for meeting new people. That's what that does. Last thing I'll say about it is the Tennis Channel has come on as a, as a, a presenting sponsor of it as well. And I think that just speaks to the uniqueness of it. Um, so I am, as Toss and Spin, we were super excited to be a part of it. And more importantly, like we will continue to execute. That's the most important thing is it's one thing to land it and figure it out. The next thing is you got to execute. So um, we have systems in place. We have people that have done it before. We have a network of pros to help us teach as we travel. Um, so it's a really um, it's a really value add to anybody who's involved. Damn, that's badass. Um, maybe I'm missing something um, from the Shake Shack and like what they're bringing pickleball on for. But when I'm looking at it, I feel like it's they're doing this from a side of pickleball that I think a lot of people are missing out on is this like networking aspect, right? Like I talked with the owners of uh, Bainbridge and yeah. they were like, pickleball is the new golf. It's the new, like, it's basically the new networking uh, model. Is that primarily what Shake Shack is trying to do with it? Is it like trying to cultivate like company culture? So I, it's consumer facing. So I am in consumer facing. That's where most people, that makes it even more unique because Shake Shack is the brand that owns the Shake Shack Pickleball Club. Like it's their club, but these are for fans or uh, consumers of Shake Shack. So it's a consumer facing program. To me, that makes it very, very unique. And just like people say pickleball is the new golf. My biggest thing is how do we create diversity in pickleball? You know what I mean? Like, how do we create diversity in racket sports? Like, I know there's, you know, there there has been growth and there is progress, but in pickleball, like, th there's not much diversity. So I think there's there's even a huge opportunity as you think of the products that we'll create to lure lure other, you know, cultures, people to the sport. Um, but yeah, that's what makes it unique. It's not um, for like a team building you know, in Shake Shack and those locations. It's for consumers in these cities who are fans of Shake Shack and may want to learn pickleball, may want to play in a Shake Shack branded pickleball because there are thousands of tournaments, you know, uh, pickleball tournaments around the country. When you start to throw in your favorite brands, changes the game. If Gatorade said they were having a Gatorade pickleball tournament or Miller Coors said they're having a, it changes because you're like, that's different. I want to do that. Similar to the pickleball slam, it was it had great view, viewing. Why? It's different. I want to check that out. So anything yeah. right now that is different, unique, you can really go after it. But if it's just another clinic, another tournament, if there's no value add, it's going to be hard to get people there. Such an important point is that like, even when I look at the industry and I look at it from like a podcasting and YouTube channel perspective, um, you can always look also look at like paddles and stuff, but you just see a lot of brands that are just created as a pickleball brand, right? Like they're trying to copy the, the blueprint from another pickleball brand. It's like, why aren't people looking outside of the industry and looking at like how others have done it in very successful manners outside of the sport of pickleball? Like how have they done it in even outside of tennis? But like when I look at 
like inspiration for YouTube, I don't look at other pickleball channels. I'm looking at like who's done it successfully outside of this. How are comedy podcasts doing it? How are like finance podcasts doing it? Um, and how are they doing like the editing? But you spoke to a really good point there. Also the diversity, man, if you even just look at like the pro player scene, how many black athletes are there? How many Asians, you know, you have like, uh, Jesse Irvin, I think Tara, I think her name is Tara Black. She's one of the up and comers and you have like Edda Wright. I think she has more of like a Polynesian background, but even on the men's side, how much diversity is there? I think like Tyler Loom is half Chinese. He's one of the few and like Callan Dawson, but I think events, this event space that you're in is definitely a very powerful way to bring in more diversity and just different perspectives, different cultures. Was that something that was in the initial like inception of the idea, something that, you know, you saw as maybe not something that you're like super intentional about, but you saw as like, Hey, I see this gap. This is something I do want to change. Yeah. So, I mean, first and foremost, you know, it always starts with the problem you're trying to solve. This was a, uh, I call that my product creation 101 is like, we're creating a racket or we're creating a beverage or a cheat, whatever it is, like what, what problem are we trying to solve? So when I looked at the market, I noticed a couple different things. I always say that racket sports, in my opinion, are very stuffy. They're not inclusive, as inclusive as they should be. Even if people say they are, from my perspective, they're not. You don't get a lot of people who play other sports like, Hey, I'm about to I'm about to go play tennis today, or I'm about to go, you know, I'm about to go play pickleball today. You don't you don't get that because it's the perception that you know racket sports are more still country clubbish, right? They're they're for people at a club. So the problem I set out to solve was how do we provide access and enjoyment in racket sports? How do we basically put paddles and rackets into everyone's hand possible and make it the most fun experience, the most fun entry point into racket sports? You asked earlier, like, what is the goal of Toss and Spin? When it's all said and done, we want to be the most fun entry point to racket sports worldwide. You will call us when you want something executed because we are completely turnkey. We manage the end to end process, set up, tear down, pros, structure, custom items, you name it. You have a one stop shop with Toss and Spin. And that is the problem we are solving. So when we go to courts, our products will resemble like a more diverse, more inclusive environment. And when I say inclusive, I mean like different background, different people. I absolutely love pickleball because like, look at this conversation. If it wasn't for this, we wouldn't have came together. The amount of people you can meet through pickleball don't doesn't matter political background, doesn't matter sports team. Like we can connect through pickleball and we could be friends like that is something that we have never seen before, in my opinion. Like if we do tennis, like it won't work. Like we can connect, but unless you can hang with the person you're playing with, right? Like we won't like want to go out and connect and hit and whatever else comes from that. So I think pickleball is the ultimate connector right now. And I think if you are very clear about where you want to play in the space, you're going to be in a good space or you're going to be in a good spot. Um, I think one of the greatest assets for me is being a black male in a space where you don't see that a lot, you know, putting myself front and center, being vulnerable. And it was funny because like as as we scale, I read some of the comments. I see what people sometimes say. It isn't always nice. 
for sure. Um, but with that said, it just lets me know we're going in the right direction and we got to keep going. Um, and I also realize that the top of one mountain is the bottom of the next. So in my mind, I want to figure out how far we can take it. And I believe, like I said, the end goal is Tossin Spin being the most fun entry point to racket sports worldwide. That's what we work for every single day. It isn't to be the best in a neighborhood in Chicago or in the Midwest or in the U.S. Like I want to take it global. And I believe we have the framework that will allow us to do it. But again, in order for that to happen, it's going to be about putting the right team in place to do so. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, that's really exciting. Uh, I agree with a lot of that. What do you? What would you say has been like your biggest challenge that you faced so far? That's a good question. So the one thing I always talk about is how do you make sure that toss and spin can live on? You know, ten plus years. My there's a lot like right now in pickleball. Like, I just believe you throw a rock, you're going to hit something, right? Like, you're going to be okay. But I think over time, as the market, it's not going to shrink, but the opportunities won't be the same as they are now in five years. They're going to change. They're going to evolve. How are we going to evolve and continue to grow? For example, you did a company event with us this year. What systems can we put in place to make you do that next year? Right. What deals can we put in place that allows us to drive reoccurring revenue? Right. So I think you got to be very tied in to what is happening because this industry is changing very quickly. But also, too, the one thing I always will tell people is like, know what you're good at and focus on that. Like, for example, you know, you're starting to see people convert uh, baseball parks and things like that. I think that's super cool. Right. Like to put pickleball out there. But like if I know what we're good at long term, that's probably not the play for toss and spin. Can we do it? I believe we can. Absolutely. But that's not the play for us. Right. We have to know where we're going to play, because if we do, we're going to dominate in that segment. It's a very commonly said thing but i think it's so much harder than people think it is to like understand your strengths and weaknesses but not only like understanding it but also like saying no to a lot more things that you're not good at it's like okay i know my strength like you made a really good point like yeah we could easily go into like these baseball parks and convert that but does it like what is the mental model for saying no like, and it seems like right now, like your mental models, one, does it make sense long-term? I think it's very common to have a myopic view of like possibilities and opportunities. It's like, oh, this works. This is, this is great. This will work great in the short term. It's like, how do we make sure that this isn't just a one-off? And that's something I like really appreciate yeah. about what you said. It's like one year we did an event. How can we make this happen again? That's going to be like a huge like instrumental part to the success or to the growth of pickleball is like, how do we make sure that people aren't just buying a paddle for one or two games or like one season out of the year and then they put it down and they move on to the next thing? Yeah. Like what kind of trends are you seeing now? I mean, everything from, you know, custom items in the space to um, events, like all that stuff is working, right? All of it is working. Um, but when you think about it's still a new space, who has a track record to execute? You know, you got to look into that. You know, 
I do think the market will change over time. And, you know, if I was, if I owned or was doing paddles, like how do you make people continue to buy paddles? It's the same thing with rackets. Like what is going to make them buy a racket in two years, not 10? Um, you know, is it the technology? Is it the story? Um, is it what we're doing? Like what, what is going to make, you know, another company come to us and we can do a 10 city tour or deal with them. But I will say too, you know, our biggest asset is that, you know, many of us worked in corporate, right? So we get that side of the business. We understand budgets. We understand the language, but also we're special people on the court. So you meshing that together, it really creates something special. It creates someone in a group of people that can manage the end to end process um, because we know how to speak that language. And I think that that's what's very helpful to us. But again, like, you know, it comes down to dollars and cents. We got to continue to drive revenue. What do our deals look like? Um, and that type of thing. So um, I do think there's headwinds. Of course, every business has headwinds, um, whether you're in events or paddles or equipment, whatever it is. But I think working through that, you're going to find a way to be okay. Speaking of language is so important. Uh, that's like just something that you mentioned. And that's going to be so important to bridging where pickleball is to like more opportunity. Like the, a lot of language that you're using and could be from your marketing background, could be from the corporate side. It's so, so helpful because when you're trying to bring outsiders in, you don't want to be like throwing around like pickleball lingo it just already like that creates like a barrier right you want to be able to speak like common language you want to be able to find like common interests and common ground so that's yeah that's awesome that that you ha have that perspective and i would just say too that you know i call we're, we're problem solvers i don't like the word like selling like i'm gonna sell you something no i'm you're calling me because you you probably have a, a challenge i don't like problem a challenge and allow toss and spin to put something together that will solve that challenge for you make you in essence the hero right you're the hero who booked toss and spin for a company event you're the hero who booked us for a community event you're the hero who um you're going to do this tour with because we don't i don't need that like hero status i want to make the person who's working with us i want to solve their challenge and the more challenges we solve the better off we're going to be. Man, that's just a lesson. Like I'm going to make sure to highlight that. And you mentioned it before, but I'm going to make sure to highlight when I edit it is just before any idea starts, it should start there, right? Like the problem, the challenge and how you're trying to solve it. it just seems like right now, because of the rapid growth of the sport, it's very easy to look at wanting to start something without defining or answering those questions. I'll just say too, you just made me think of two things or one thing. One, what you just said, um, that's the reason most people quit. It's because when it's good, like it is now, everybody's happy. But when it goes, when it's bad, like you're gonna quit because you started it probably to make money, right? So I would say, keep that in mind. And then I also always tell people, I shut off all the noise, meaning like what I follow like, I don't even follow people who deem us to like, like, hey, this, this, I think they're kind of like a competitor of yours. Cool. I'm so laser focused on what Toss and Spin does well that it doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. What I found is that, and early on, I was following all these people on social, on LinkedIn, blah, blah, blah. And I was trying to do things like they were doing. 
and it was taken away from the essence of my gift. And now I just recommend everybody to shut out the noise. If you shut out the noise, you get real clear about what you're good at and then you execute it and then you're off and running. Shutting off the noise is so important when you're trying to pursue an idea. It's very, very easy to look at your competitors, if you will, and try and be focused on like their success. It's like going outside for a run like and you're trying to keep pace with the person that you just randomly ran into. It's like you have no idea how long this person's been running for. You have no idea what their goal is uh, for that particular session. But if anyone is trying to learn more about this idea of like f- letting go of competition would highly recommend the book infinite game it's just having this like long-term approach it's how can i create the best possible product not like how can i compete with this person and win like winning is just short term like that's not going to take you as far as like winning versus a competitor that's not going to take you very far right right like what happens after you beat them so you're trying to come up with like this long-term approach instead of winning. How do you just be better? How do you just be like a better version of yourself? How do you be a better version of your company and your brand? You have a unique background given that you're blending two sports. Let's like racket and paddles and you come from a tennis background. You know, you played in college and you played competitively. What's kind of your perspective on the two sports cohabitating? Uh, the market and the environment? Yeah, I mean, city by city, there's a lot of like beef between, you know, tennis players and pickleball players. You know, it's a little frustrating for me because I I personally, I think it's really silly. I think if we take a step back, like sometimes we're so in it that we don't just take a step back to just be like, well, damn, pickleball is pretty good for people. Look at all these people out here probably have no idea who they are you know, don't know each other, just out playing, having a good time, health and wellness, like forget being a pro, like just pickleball has saved people's lives. Right. So I think we should, I get, you know, the noise, blah, 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 this, that, you know, I just think that pickleball is good for people. You know, pickleball allows me to, like, I can play pickleball with my wife yesterday. Perfect example. We were shooting with NBC and segment's going to air in May, just so you know. But we were shooting with NBC, and I told them, you know, within 30 minutes, their question to us is, why is pickleball taking off? I was like, in 30 minutes, you're going to find out why. And then 30 minutes later, we had taught them the game. We were literally playing, and I was enjoying it too. Wasn't playing like super, super hard, but I was like, now you see why it's fun. Within 30 minutes, you now learn the game and you can play the game. And there is, if we did this in tennis, if we did this other racket sports, it's not possible. I love tennis. Tennis is like a first love. It's been great. The two should be able to cohabitate. We should be able to be flexible as a society. We should be able to shift and make changes. And people shouldn't be up in arms about it. Um, I know sometimes change can be hard. But again, if we take a step back and look at what's happening, we realize that pickleball is good for the it's good for the country, it's good for the world, it's good for health and wellness. It's given a lot of people life. And I think it's only gonna get better. But tennis is growing too. We can do both. We can have both. I love both. Let's do it. Giving people a second chance, right? Like if if you started off in tennis and maybe you stopped because it's too maybe too rigorous on the body, 
Maybe you're just not competitive anymore. It's given a lot of people pickleball has given a lot of people a second chance to get back into a racket or paddle sport to get back on this court, right? Like in a different way, like they can end up being competitive, but they probably having a lot more fun. My parents tried to get me into tennis. It's such a, like a stereotypical Asian thing to do. And I hated it. I, I just wasn't good. My brother was, he was a lot better than me. And that too, to your point, you hit on something is like, how do we make tennis fun for all levels? Right. And that's like a big, um, something we're, we're working on for sure. And we're launching new products around that. And I love talking about like launching new products in tennis and pickleball. Um, and for this case, pickleball specifically, because that's where the product background comes in. We could just be happy with classes and lessons, but no, to me, that just gets boring. It's like you have an innovation pipeline. What's next? Like, what are you going to continue to do to elevate your business? And the more you do that, the more unique you become. I call it you become a diamond and diamonds are rare. And once you become rare, people will come from all different ways to work with you. Also, like a really good point you make is that just because pickleball is here doesn't mean tennis has to like die out, right? Like I, I appreciate the idea that toss and spin is trying to keep both of these sports together and also helping them both grow. It's like you're using your the ideation skill to be able to like revitalize tennis too. I don't pay strong attention to what tennis, what's going on in the climate of tennis, but um you do see a lot of people like picking up pickleball and they think it's like this sense of like resource contention that only one can exist. It's like, do we yeah. could both exist without tennis, then we wouldn't have these courts that we can just throw a temporary net on and just draw some lines. These should actually just both definitely coexist because tennis is giving us a foundation and a lot of ideas to work off of going beyond just events and like lessons and classes what's next for toss and spin always i've said this a little earlier is like i'm big on seeing how far we can take it and i've set like a you know a gps in destination um but i think where we are going next is more um continuing down the path of, of larger scale partnerships but also we were built on like three things that i really wanted to tackle club experience so like in COVID, no one's going to the club, but you can still have that same ex- experience. Community, like we just, I want to do good. Like we want to do good for the community. We want to take this to places that hasn't been taken before. Um, and then connection. Like I want people to look at Toss and Spin. They come to classes to learn, but they also come to meet new people in an authentic way. So brands and companies that fit within that model, I'm excited for the conversations that we're having, things that are going to come. I won't tell you exactly where we're going because I don't want to give everything away. Um, but I am really excited about the future of Toss and Spin and where we are going. It's awesome. Yeah, th- those things. Keep them to you. Like the, if there's anything I learned from ideas and things like that, especially if it's your own project, is I think it spoils the idea. It spoils the enjoyment. It spoils the process of creativity when you share what's going on with an idea or like a. a Uh, something that's like upcoming or like about to be released i could just be very selfish and that's just my perspective but uh that's my yeah view on like creativity but no i mean i think you got to be careful with how much you share in your business because not everybody is going to agree with it and 
to your point, people definitely are trying to figure out how are they, you know, how's Tossin's been getting contracts? How are they doing everything they're doing? How are they finding pros? What's the secret sauce? But I also remind myself, while I don't share everything, like every company we're working with or talking to or vice versa, um, you still have to execute, right? So the farther up you go, the smaller it becomes because there's only a certain amount of people who can execute at that level, right? So even if you give me the blueprint or I gave you the blueprint, it's still going to come down to, are you going to make the calls or do what you have to do? And just knowing how hard it is, there is some that will do it, but very few will do it. So that also gives me like, I can still tell you kind of like cryptocurrency. You could tell me, um, let's say you're investing in it. Hey, buy this and I could do it. I may not. And maybe because we have different fundamentals and beliefs, like I don't get as much value out of it. So, but yes, I agree with you. You don't want to give it all away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's like a guy's uh, name's Austin. I believe his name's Austin Cleon. He's like a creative guy. And he started putting out these images. He's a mostly like a writer and he started putting out images and people started asking like, Hey, like, how do you do this? Like what program do you use? He's like, I don't, I'm not telling you, I don't want to tell anyone because that just, he's like, from my personal experience, I realize that that steals the joy of creativity from me when people know about like the process and how to do it. And like kind of rightfully so, right? Like if you have an idea, let your own process cultivate, like do it your own way. If you see something and you want to try and imitate it, try and figure out how to do it on your own. And who knows, you could be put introducing something very different. Something that we've touched on is the diversity aspect. There's, I don't know the percentage off the top of my head, but if like whoever's listening, how many black founders do you know? And then to add in onto that, how many black founders do you know in the pickleball space? So what I'm getting at is what is your experience like as a black founder prior to founding a company? Was this always on your mind? And also like, what's the experience like now? If it, maybe it hasn't been a hurdle, but uh, I like to ask this question, even if it's like a female, maybe uh, if it's someone who has a different sexual orientation, um, but just someone who has a different perspective. Yeah, no, that's a good question. So from a pickleball perspective, I'm sure there's, there's someone out there, right? But I don't know any uh, companies like ours. Uh, but what I will say is that um, we do have company partners. Um, one is uh, Modern Strike in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, great, great black founder there on the tennis side, doing tennis and pickleball there. Another partner in LA. Um, she, black founder, um, doing a great job there. Um, and then there's a couple other people I know just from playing tennis who, you know, have their own businesses as well. I think what, you know, and we're going to work with them, especially when we do events in, in those areas. I think with, from a national perspective, someone trying to do, you know, events, pickleball events, tennis events, and all over, I, I don't, I don't know any, any, uh, black founders who are doing it like that, but, um, so I guess sometimes, you know, you can feel misunderstood. Um, you're kind of like, you know, you're playing the political role. You got to be politically correct. Um, you're wondering if people sometimes don't do deal, deals with you because of, you know, 
how you look or, you know, things like that. Um, I won't share a specific situation, but there's one that definitely comes to mind. Uh, you know, we had a pretty large deal fall through and, you know, sometimes people, they get worried when, you know, maybe it's just you organizing the deal or, you know, because the gift, I always call it sometimes a gift and a curse, right? It's a gift that I have the experience to manage the end to end process. And there's a full team that can do it. But also like, sometimes people don't trust the guy who's doing the deal because he's also going to be on the court helping or vice versa. So, you know, sometimes you second guess things like that and the perception, you know, but with that said, regardless of what is true, what is not, you know, the biggest thing for me and us is to just stay out of, stay out of your head and continue to push forward. I always tell people that like, you can get caught up in your heads and you can create this false reality that isn't so far from the truth, right? So you might go there for a minute or two, but then get out of it, keep it moving. So, but I, like I said earlier, I think being a black founder is a huge asset because whether I like it or not, how we are executing, you know, people are going to pay attention because they're like, oh, toss and spin, like Chris Clark is a black man. Oh, great. So it just makes you stick out. Um, for hopefully better, right? And I think that's a huge asset. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you sharing that because you basically just shared like what goes through your mind. And that's not something that's often shared or really understood. When people listen to this, they will know like what it's like to literally be in your shoes. Like you just gave like, this is my thought process that happens in like daily interactions. Like this is, that can be a cognitive load, like burden. It's just like having to constantly like think about those types of, um, having those like thoughts when you're just trying to go through like daily active, daily like activities. What advice would you have for someone who wants to create a business in pickleball? I would say step one is what problem are you trying to solve? And then step two, because if you know the problem, you, the story comes together, right? If you're just, hey, I want to build toss and spin paddles, okay? Like, are you, like, for what level? Like, you know what I mean? Step two, in my opinion, is to understand what level you want it on. And this is where it becomes, like, getting real clear. Like, do you want it on a level where you're just teaching? Do you want a global business? Like, what level do you want it on? Because that's going to, like, help how you move day to day. For example, if we, like I said, if we only wanted to do lessons and classes, we're there, right? So, and if I was happy with just doing that, that'd be great, right? So those would be like my two things um, to tell. And then the third would be understanding that it is hard. Like, you know, I know on social, yeah, I see the kids, they rent Lamborghinis. That's fun. Let's fly around. Let's look good in a car for a day. But like, I'll tell you, like yesterday, I woke up at five, I worked out, Peloton, meditate, six, shower, um, two hours of work from six to eight. I eat dinner with the, or eat dinner, eat lunch, breakfast with the family. The the nanny comes around 930. We were off and running. I had calls all day. And then we had a shoot for two hours, had dinner, relaxed. And then probably from eight to 11, I worked again. You know what I mean? Like, but I love what I do and I want it that bad. You know what I mean? So I don't, you know, you don't, you don't see that when we have a company event, you don't see what goes into it, but I can tell you that, you know, I don't remember a morning 
I work every day, all day, no days off. Like that's the secret. hundred percent, man. Like that to me sounds like the ideal day. Like, and maybe that's why we're also having this call and why I'm having calls with a lot of people who share that sentiment is like, that's not a bad thing. Like people, a lot of people thrive in that. A lot of people who have successful founders don't have an off switch. A lot of people just enjoy also being able to create your own day. And while things come up as a founder, you know, there's always going to be a problem like every single day. It's like, man, at the end of the day, between when you woke up and when you went to bed, did you get to create your day? And to me, it sounds like you did, regardless of the number of hours. It's like, how much of that time is spent doing something that you enjoy versus if you have set amount of time doing, you know, like working for someone else, how much of that time is spent not doing what you want to do? Glow in the dark pickleball. I saw like some post about it. <laughs> did you did you help like create an event for that? What are your thoughts on that? Uh, people will talk about it all the time. It's always like in passing. Yeah, it's a it's a product we're offering now. Uh, Glow in the dark pickleball. Glow in the dark tennis. Uh, we also offer trap tennis now as well. Um, which is a celebration of Southern style music, trap vibes, trap flavor. And of course, like I say, trap music. Um, and then we also have a product called uh, Pickle Fit, which is like cardio pickleball. So um, this this just comes from, again, uh, our, our want to be able to service the market in many different ways and, you know, create products where there's something for everybody. Glow and dark pickleball. Um, I think there's a reason why it's so rare because, you know, it is pretty, you know, expensive to do. Um, you need certain lights, certain things, certain lines, blah, blah, blah. But um, I think there's some legs for it. So TBD on what you'll see from us as it relates to that. Awesome. Yeah. Really excited to honestly just find out more about what events y'all are doing. And yeah, like you said, just ideating and creating these like different takes on what what can be offered. Right now, it's it's very exciting, but you're also just seeing a lot of the same things, um, and that's not a bad thing. I think a lot of times you're just they're just trying to work on creating more courts and focus on bringing more players, but you're doing a very unique take on like how do we bring in more players. Like, yeah, there's a lot of like instructionals on YouTube. There's a lot of word of mouth, but how can yeah. you attract some play, some people that are, that have some reservations on the sport and whether that's like diversity or maybe it's the country club aspect of like tennis, which Carl Schmitz was talking about that. He said that was basically the downfall of maybe not the downfall because I, I won't say it like that extreme, but he did say that that was something that hindered the growth of tennis was the country club aspect. In a previous post, I don't know if you're still hiring for this role, but you mentioned you're hiring a sales coordinator. I just want to give you an uh, opportunity to, to talk more about, you know, if you're hiring for other roles, where can people find more, find out more about Toss and Spin? And, you know, if there's anything that I haven't asked that you want to talk about, please use this time. No, it, yeah, I mean, the we are growing, we are scaling. Um, I would say we're definitely looking for like a sales engine. Um, and I say engine, that could be anything from sales manager, sales coordinator, director of sales, um, that type of thing. And then the big one is um, that we have in the pipeline is um, a partnerships director. 
So those are kind of the the couple things that we will um, hire for. Um, but I think, yeah, it's just a, the beauty of, of building a business. And um, I always tell people like, you know, what drives me? And I'm like, I tell them I'm too far along to quit. If I was going to quit, I should have quit like two years ago, you know, after the first year. But now, you know, we have people depending on me. We have payroll. Like we got to deliver and we will deliver. So uh, I'm very motivated to continue to do so. Um, I definitely want to thank you for the space and the platform. Love what you're doing. Um, but yeah, if, if that's all I had to say, that's that's how I will, I'll, I'll table the conversation and we'll go on to the next thing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. What um, uh, Where can people find out more about Toss and Spin? Yeah, so definitely check us out. We're on all all social. So everything is simple. It's Toss and Spin on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, Tossandspin.com is where you can find out more about our events, partnerships, things we have upcoming. Really appreciate your time again, Chris. And uh, yeah, wish you best of luck with everything with Toss and Spin and excited to hear more. I appreciate that. And uh, again, kudos to what you're doing and um, excited to stay in contact. And I love going back through conversations like this to see not only what I said, but, you know, in two years, where are we at? Yeah, so, we'll do a follow up conversation for sure. I like that. V2 yeah. coming soon. Yeah, definitely.